You are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 1067. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope everybody's having a good Thursday afternoon, and we appreciate you joining us on the line. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Find Levi and I on Twitter, at Point Gardner, at Levi Fitzwater. Yesterday, we did our A-Day depth chart series, and we examined the wide receiver room. Let's kind of close the book on that a little bit here. Levi, what's your opinion on this Auburn receiver room as we head into the spring? We went into a deep dive of the depth chart that we thought it would look like going into A-Day of those wide receivers. What is your opinion on the entire room as a whole as we go into the spring, I think the entire room as a whole. I think it has. I think the entire room as a whole. It has a lot of good potential that we haven't really seen completely materialize at all times. I think we've seen guys who are able to. They had the talent. They had the talent and the ability, and can show flashes from time to time, but we just haven't seen it consistently. And I mean, you know, you saw you saw it uh, in Elijah Canyon in the bowl game. You know that Shedrick Jackson's a talented guy. You just haven't seen it on the field. And you can look at a guy like Kobe Hudson, who has had some good possessions over the you know his tenure at Auburn. It's just a lot of guys who are good and have good potential. We just haven't seen it yet. What sticks out to me about this group is the versatility. I think there are yes. multiple spots where different receivers can line up. Capers and Shedrick Jackson, both of them can line up the slot. Both of them can also line up at X for Auburn. They can be split out wide or they can be closer to the line of scrimmage or off that line of scrimmage, rather, for that Y spot. I don't think I see either of those guys as flankers or anything like that, but I do think that you could see them line up at different places and be effective at different places in this Auburn offense. Canyon's a little bit more rigid over as an outside receiver, probably at X, whether or not he starts or not. I think that remains to be seen I think he's got a lot of upside when you talk about his body at six foot four but he's also very fast he's not too tall to be fast right so there's a lot of versatility in this group and the Kobe Hudson can do different things at different levels I think he's probably going to end up as we said yesterday end up being what is known as the Z receiver over there on the flanker the other outside receiver the number two outside receiver but a guy like Eli Stove was versatile, the Swiss Army knife of the Auburn receiving court. He reminds me a lot of Eli Stove. I think we see sure hands from Kobe Hudson, just like we saw from Eli Stove. Eli Stove was used in different ways. He was used as a possession receiver in the intermediate passing game, but he was also used for bubble screens, for tunnel screens. I don't know why they tried to get him the football like that so much because he wasn't overly shifty. I think we see a more athletic Kobe Hudson that can do more with the football in his hands at creating his own space than maybe we do with Eli Stove. So I'm drooling over the versatility in this young receiving room because all of these guys 
are two years or less since they stepped on campus and they have two years or more until they take off for the NFL draft. And that's one of the reasons it's been so hard for us to kind of figure out this receiving depth chart because there's so much versatility. You can't None really, of them have experience. They don't have experience, but yet they're also versatile, and you could play them at almost any position within the position. You could play almost any of them at an X or a Z or a slot or what have you. It just depends on which guy we're talking about. A lot of them are going to play, at least in my opinion, I think they're going to play multiple positions within the position of wide receiver simply because they're talented guys. You don't want to take these guys off and kind of pigeonhole them and say, hey, you're going to play the slot and only the slot. You're going to play the X and only the X. I think that these guys are going to be able to move across that formation and be able to play different positions, which is going to be good for Auburn's offense because they're not going – it doesn't seem like it's going to be predictable from the defensive side. They don't know they're going to be able to look at it and say, oh, this guy, he's coming in. He's going to do this, this, or this. I think it's going to be hard for defenses to prep with the receivers that are coming in because I think they're going to be able to do a multitude of things. And that's just great. That's that's great offense when you have receivers who can do those kind of things. we got a packed show for you guys today. We're going to talk some football here like, like we are right now, opening up the show. We've got Auburn baseball on deck. We're going to talk a little bit about that Little Rock series coming up this weekend. What do we know about the Trojans? We'll also talk with Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer a couple of segments from now. Also, what's going on in college basketball? Right here on our TV inside the studio. It. I'm watching Florida and Vanderbilt playing some college basketball right now on SEC Network. And Florida's up by four on Vandy with only two minutes until the end of the first half. So we're going to keep you up to date on what's going on in the SEC tournament. We'll talk about what happened in the SEC tournament last night, what Levi's referring to about what he doesn't want to talk about, what's broke today in the ACC tournament with Duke's season coming to an end because of COVID-positive tests. Florida State advancing without having to play Duke today, that game ending the Duke season more than likely unless the committee smiles upon them. We'll also talk some Auburn football in that second hour as well, taking a look at that Auburn football schedule and some of those intriguing matchups for Auburn. So we got a packed show for you guys today. Stay with us here. And um, the number to call, once again, phone lines are open, 334-321-1390. Going back to this Auburn receiver room here, as we head into the spring, grade this group. Mm, I'm going to say, if you're looking at this group, I'm going to say a low B minus to C plus right now because I think they're really talented. We just haven't seen it yet. I think there are a lot of good players. I don't want to go too high on them simply for the fact that we just haven't seen it. I think we know what we're, I think we have a good idea of what we're getting out of them with their potential, what we've seen from high school tape, what we've seen from tape that the limited tape that they've put on in college, but I can't get too high on them simply for the fact that it has not been seen yet. I took a psychology class at Auburn and something that I took away from that class that has stuck with me in evaluating teams in sports is the bell curve and we talked about the bell curve in that class and that professor was staunch that the bell curve was an effective way and he had a great argument for it that the bell curve was an effective way to evaluate really anything you know because there's there's got to be the elite percentage, then there's your above average, then there's your average, and then there's your below average, and then there's poor. Somebody, you know, something's going to be better than something else, right? When you're comparing things, you compare two things, very few times is something actually equal, or are they in that same percentage of class? And so when you look at the bell curve, um, you know, there, it, it's just the, the curve graph that, that is divided up into percentages 
D and B are the same percentage, just on opposite ends of the spectrum. One's above average, one's below average. C is the largest percentage group. That is your average. And then A and F have equal percentages, just opposite ends of the spectrum. Your elite, and then also your elitely terrible, right? And so when I evaluate and when I answer questions like, how do you grade a group, right? How, how do you grade this? How do you, how'd you grade Bruce Pearl this season with, with his coaching job? We've talked about that on the show in the past week and a half or so. When this question is posed, how would you grade this Auburn receiver room? I'm grading them in comparison to the rest of the receiver rooms in the SEC. I see them as a B unit. I think they're above average compared to the other groups in the SEC. I wouldn't put them as average. I wouldn't put them, I mean, when you're evaluating 14 teams in the SEC, I think this is in that, you know, four to six range probably, you know, and and I think you hit the nail on the head when you said B minus for this Auburn group because I I would have them closer to average than I would have them closer to the elite A class of the SEC receiving cores. I, I wouldn't have them amongst that top two receiving course I wouldn't have them closer to that I'd say they're they're you know anywhere you know five six range rather than me putting them around in that seven eight nine spot I, I would say they're you know they're above average because Auburn recruits that way and these guys coming out of high school are, are good recruits we just haven't seen them yet because they haven't been able to get on the field so I think this is a B unit but you know they're young enough and if this coaching staff can mold them together they've got a great coach Cornelius Williams I'm super high up on coming to Auburn he very well could mold these guys into an a unit before it's all said and done because it's deep in terms of bodies they're versatile like we already talked about they're deep in terms of bodies they have a lot of young guys on this team kobe hudson Xavier capers they were freshmen last year shedrick jackson's been in the room for a long time but he's got one or two years left of college trying to think of some other guys elijah canyon's a sophomore this year right or a freshman because last year yeah, didn't count. T- technically, yeah, technically he's a freshman. So I forget about Canyon. And then there's also Newton, who's got one or two years left. He's one of the older guys in the room, but he's a backup. You got Malcolm Johnson Jr. He was a freshman last year. Javarius Johnson's an underclassman as well. I've just listed five guys that are all underclassmen. And some of those guys are going to have a hard time getting on the field because the guys in front of them are underclassmen as well. So this group easily could mold into being an A unit in the SEC in a couple of years from now as all of these guys get experienced and then there's going to be another max mass exodus of receivers two two years from now when all of those guys go pro just like this previous class went with Seth Williams Anthony Schwartz and Eli Stove it was probably time for Eli Stove considering he would have been a six-year player if he had stayed he just stayed he just stayed and been a six-year player. I mean, why sure, I not? Mean, he's, he's not going to get. He's not going to get drafted, in my opinion. No, I, I think he's. A, I think he's an undrafted free agent and a practice squad player right now. I mean, I don't think there's anything that's going to change exactly the NFL draft scouts on him. So he could have come back for another year and he just, just enjoyed some with, college football. But it may have been time it. to move on academically and just life-wise because who stays in college for six years? You know what I mean? That's that's more than half of a decade that you would be in college. Hey, some people do it. Some people do, and it works out for them. Some That's people, fair. You know, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, I, I agree with you, though, on a lot of things. I think uh, this is an average receiving group right now. Going into A-Day, average. Very average. Closer. Like, it's it's a little bit above, but closer so to that average. you put them in the C group. Well, I'm, I'm sitting there. Like, I'm fringe. That's why I said, like. Is it like, because they haven't played? Yes. And it's not that I don't think, see the talents there. I think if you're looking at them, they're C plus, B minus. They're right on that fringe for me. And they have all the potential in the world to hop up to that B plus A range. It's just will that be seen? I think going into A day, it's going to be a little bit closer to the C plus B minus. 
I think towards the season, once the season gets started and beyond, I think they creep up more towards that B and then maybe B-plus range. And just just seeing what the talent that I see from this receiving group and that versatility, I think they're going to be able to put it together. I think Cornelius Williams, Williams is going to be able to mold this receiving group. I think the offensive scheme is going to allow them to run more diverse route tree that we've seen from Auburn in the past. And I think these guys are going to flourish. When it's all said and done, I think they will be able to climb up to the B-plus A tier. But again, that's all just you know hypothesis and projection they, they could bomb out. These guys could be horrible next year, and we could be talking about them going, what, what's Auburn's receiving room looking looking like? I don't see it. I think the talent is there, and I think the coaching staff in place is going to be able to get the most out of these guys. Who's going to be the leading receiver of this group? I still think it's Canyon. I'm big on him. I think Canyon is just really? a big body receiver who's going to be able to just abuse and just suck up some downfield you catches. You are buying into it. You are I'm buying into the stock. Kool-Aid. I'm buying into the stock. I'm eating the cheese. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I like the kid. He looks like a receiver that I like. I better think, watch out, man. The Kool-Aid man's going to blow through one of our walls going, oh, yeah. <laughs> if it's not him, then I would probably say a guy like Kobe Hudson, in my opinion. Just I think he's going to probably. He's going to be targeted a lot. I think Kobe Hudson's going to be the guy who gets targeted a lot. But I think Kenny might just eat up some. He might eat up chunk plays. He might eat up the big yards down the field. Which I don't think is enough to get him to be the leading receiver. That's fair. I think Hudson's volume is going to carry him to be the leader of the room. I'm curious about Capers because between Capers and Hudson, Capers saw more targets than Hudson did. But to what extent does his injury plague him this offseason in terms of getting him ready for next year? Kobe Hudson's going to get this full offseason to – improve at his fullest right and we've seen how that can affect development trajectories for players I think most notably we saw that with Carrion Johnson I'm trying to think it's been so many years now you know it's been four or five years since we saw I don't I, did he ever have a healthy offseason maybe just one I think he just not had that, one not that healthy I remember, offseason not that I remember I feel like it's always been played with injuries at least during the offseason as well I think he's had I think he had one healthy offseason and that was going into the 2017 year, and then in the opening of that of that season, he blows out his hamstring against Georgia Southern. Mm. Yeah, missing off seasons are bad, like in football. That's it'll it affects set, the tra- it, it affects the trajectory of your development. It'll yeah, especially when you're a young guy in college, it'll set it'll you know hinder your trajectory and how you're going to improve this season. It also you you have a new system coming in. It's going to hurt your ability to go run through plays in that system. On the other side of this break, we talk Auburn baseball against Arkansas Little Rock. What do we know about the Trojans? We'll tell you about it on the other side of this break here on On the Line. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Keep up with all of the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamaSports.net and on the Radio Alabama Sports app. Follow it on Twitter as well at Radio AL Sports. Between collegiate and high school sports content, we've got you covered. Once again, that's RadioAlabamaSports.net. Find the app as well on the App Store the Radio Alabama Sports app. As promised, a little baseball talk coming your way here as a look up at the SEC basketball tournament scoreboard real quick 
Florida went on a substantial run to end the first half across those final two minutes. You talk about basketball games this late in the season, and it's all about those two minutes at the end of both of the halves. And when you win those two minutes, that can affect things heavily for the outcome of a ball game. Florida now up by 12 when they were tied by – they were, they were only up by two against Vanderbilt. I think it was like 24-22 there with about two minutes left in that first half, and now they're up by 12, up 34-22 on Vanderbilt. Florida looking pretty good going into the second half. It was just all of a sudden. It was in the middle of us talking. I looked up at one moment and just glanced at the television in here, I and I saw, they, I saw they were up by 12, and I said, wait, did I misread that? That's basketball for you. It's a game of runs, and especially you hit it on the head at the end of the half. The end of the first half, and you know, especially that midway through the third, in terms of NBA, the midway through the third quarter. So, in the college basketball escape, that kind of first half, later first half of the second half, first six minutes, yeah, the first six minutes of the second half, that's where some of the, the big runs end up going and can really shift the game from, oh, this is really competitive to, oh, we got a stinker that we're watching. Phone lines are open. Number to call 334-321-1390. Find Levi and I on Twitter at Point Gardner at Levi Fitzwater. As promised, Auburn baseball this weekend. They're taking on Arkansas Little Rock, now just known as Little Rock, the Little Rock Trojans. What do we know about this team? Well, no marquee wins, really. I wrote down in my notes here, marquee wins. They went 1-1 one one against Oral Roberts, who are currently 4-8. and eight. But if you've kept up with the college baseball scene, they just took two out of three against LSU this past weekend. LSU ranked number eight when they were taking them on in that series. But other than that, no real good wins for this Little Rock team who comes into this series 5-5. Five and five. Last time out this past weekend, they took down North Alabama uh, two, two games out of three in that series. North Alabama's one win in that series is their only win of the season. They are 1-9, so... Not a good look for this Little Rock team. They really haven't been challenged right now. When you when you look at some of their stats, if you're an Auburn team that drubbed Alabama A&M with how many runs was it? 51 runs in that in that two game span. <laughs> Buckle up, Damn. guys. This could be. I, I'm not gonna say 51 runs, but then again, it is. That could happen it, over it the course a, of three games. It is a games. three game series instead of a two That's game right. series. So, but yeah, you're you're licking your chops if you're Auburn's bats. This is. This is a great opportunity to just to get right, get the bats going and hammer it home. Go ahead and throw the stats out there for them. Well, they have a team ERA of 5.29, which is Ooh. horrible when you look at the competition that they've played. They have not played a good team. They were set for a series. I think they were set to play Oklahoma State in two games. They only ended up playing them in one. They lost that game as well. Or maybe I'm getting them mixed up with Oral Roberts. Either way, though, this team has not played any good foes right now and, and and have not fared well against those foes either this is not skewed this is a 5.29 era against very bad competition against teams like north alabama who is once again Tuna. one and nine and their only one only win came against little rock yeah they They're, only had the they only had to play the one game against oklahoma state it was supposed to be okay, two so the first yeah the first one got canceled then they ended up losing two to seven so i mean they're really they're one substantial opponent they only got to play one game and they lost seven to two Oklahoma State was ranked when those teams played, right? Yeah, okay. they were ranked 17th when they played. They're allowing 8.3 hits per game, which you imagine Ooh. will go up as well. That's a lot. That's a lot. If you are if you are scoring a run every two hits, that's at least four runs right there, but that's not the clip that teams are scoring on this team at. They're giving up 6.4 runs per game over those 8.3 hits per game. That's the hit-to-run ratio that nobody ever really talks about but that's that's like efficiency to me in baseball. How many runs can you bring around per hits? Like how often is that? Because if you're if you're sitting over here with 
three runs on nine hits and you're leaving a lot of runners stranded well then maybe there's something wrong with your lineup that can be a little telling so that's a stat that like is not talked about in baseball. Like I, I look at that a little at bit least, to a at degree. least in terms of just casual fans and you know your like typical you leaving stranded and your typical people who are talking about baseball like on the radio or even on any other media because that's if, a big part of the game. If you're getting hits, that's great. But are you bringing runs around? Nine hits doesn't mean anything to me if you only are averaging four runs a ball game. I need more than that. I need efficiency. And teams right now are being super efficient against Arkansas Little Rock. That's that's the kind of stuff that MLB front offices look at when they're especially those small market teams when they're looking at how how can we effectively make the most out of some of these guys and they're looking at guys who are efficiently hitting and scoring in runs and they're constructed a team that can do that and that's where you see good baseball teams and great baseball teams in terms of how they can efficiently put runs together. Teams are averaging 2.1 stolen base attempts against Arkansas Little Rock per game. They are 18 for 21 on the year against the Trojans, averaging almost two stolen bases every time they play. So not a whole lot of talent behind the plate in terms of throwing out guys. Once again, I can't stress enough, they have not played great competition up to this point. And most teams are not averaging two stolen bases against an opponent. So these are, for for Little Rock, formerly Arkansas Little Rock, these are bad stats for them against bad competition. Right. And all of that combined with that 5.29 ERA and the fact that teams are scoring 6.4 runs per game, this could be, there could be some long baseball games this weekend. It's, it looks and Auburn's like it. bats are up. Auburn's bats are awake. I think what we saw against Boston College over the weekend, though that was against maybe not top end arm talent, but it was at least against Power Five arms. Auburn hit the Auburn hit them. Auburn lost the series because of a fluke inning that I'm I'm not even concerned about. Forget that. I don't think we're going to see that happen that often or ever again this season. That's not going to happen again you, this you season. You rarely see a team blow an eight-point lead in the next. I've never seen that in that's, my life. I'm crazy. sure it's happened in baseball before because that's baseball, right? Auburn put up 11 runs on North Carolina in the, in the opening frame, right? Like, that happens. It's just so fluky. I don't know. I mean, it maybe happens once a season. I don't know. You got to think we're close. We're very close to Atlanta and the Braves. I mean, those choke artists that Stop they it. are. I mean, Amen. they they blow You're a lot make of a bad lot things. Of people angry, including me. Chill out. <laughs> Braves, Braves are frauds or choke artists, whatever. <sighs> Does New Orleans have a baseball team? Nope. We had a minor team at one time. <laughs> so you gotta, you gotta, you gotta play to be beat. <laughs> but uh, Little Rock, hey, I'm a Royals fan. You ain't gotta come to me with that, with that. Oh, so uh, very that, that's a putrid <laughs> that's a putrid history right there. That's something to be proud about. But they have won a, a World Series more recently, so I, I give you that. <laughs> uh, Arkansas Little Rock hitting. They are they have five players batting above three hundred as a team. They're average at two seventy eight, but still not impressed. Even though those do, if that was an SEC team hitting like that, I'm like, okay, Auburn's Auburn staff is going to be challenged this an, weekend. An but, SEC. An SEC team that has played SEC competition or top-end competition in some way, shape, or form. But the only team they've played on their schedule that is of Power 5 quality was Oklahoma State, and they only scored two runs. So we really haven't gotten a glimpse of them against good teams. But I wouldn't I wouldn't be too concerned for the Auburn pitching staff this weekend, even depleted. This is probably the series you want if you're trying to walk some guys back in, like Cody Greenhill, if he's going to make it back out there. This is probably the series you want. If you're bringing some guys back this weekend and you're also depleted and you're trying to bridge the gap before SEC play starts next week against Ole Miss, this is the, this is the team that you would want. Auburn's going to have a good time this weekend. This is this is the perfect series at the perfect time for Auburn. I mean, you said it very, very well. 
You could walk Cody Greenhill back in the lineup if he's ready to go and ease him back in there instead of just saying, oh, hey, you want to go uh, pitch against Ole Miss this weekend after you've missed, you know, the past two weeks? No, this is a great time to get him back involved. And, you know, especially with the depleted staff in, in terms of pitching, you can – you don't have to be on your absolute top performance. So you can you can afford to be depleted against a team like Little Rock as we just went through all those stats. So this is a great this is a great series to have right now at this point in Auburn season. One hundred percent. Let's take a look back at the scoreboard for the SEC basketball tournament that has gone full fledged today. This this is the best time of the year, as Lance Dahl says often, and has already said to me today. He he brought up you know. He, he'll, he'll be board hopping an Auburn High School baseball game tonight. That can be heard on 96.3 WLE. There's a doubleheader tonight. So if you're looking for some baseball on your radio waves, go and check that out because Auburn High School baseball, if they aren't the top team in 7A, they are one of. I know that they're ranked in some polls as, as the top team in 7A baseball. So there's some good baseball on your radio dial tonight as they're taking on Baker Florida and Vanderbilt have, has resumed play. Florida's up by eight on Vanderbilt right now, 36-28. to 28. But earlier in the day, Kentucky went into the second half down by 14. Going, in, going into the locker room break against Mississippi State, Kentucky was down by 14. They took a lead. They even had, I think, a two- or a four-point lead late in that ball game. Mississippi State scratches, scratches it back and finds a way to push past the Wildcats and onto that second round or that quarterfinal round, excuse me, where they'll be taking on the Alabama Crimson Tide, the top-ranked team in the SEC. I still wouldn't count this Kentucky team out in the tournament. <laughs> I still can't count them out yet. Now, I'm starting to think that this Kentucky this Kentucky team is just a bad basketball team. <laughs> I think I'm finally sold that they're just not a good basketball team this year. I'm, they're just not going to make it. I've been I've been high on them. Just Eventually, they're going to put it together. Coach Cal's going to get them together and get that team playing well. Never You happened. were talking about coaching yesterday or yeah, two thought, days ago. and Was it in regards to this game? Or was it in regards it in, to a Kentucky-Alabama yeah, matchup? Yeah, it was in regards to it. Yeah, you forgot about Ben Hallen, man. You forgot about all those UCLA teams he coached through tournaments. I overlooked Mississippi State in general just from what I had seen from them going down the stretch. They did not impress me whatsoever. Well, I picked Kentucky to win this game. Well, it was a very – like it, in terms of what we thought was going to happen, it was a matchup of two very similar styles. We thought that Kentucky would feel more comfortable just simply for the fact that they have the better coaching staff and the better talent – at least from a pure perspective, you thought they'd win the game in terms of a uh, mirror match and matchups. Just didn't happen, man. State won 74 to 73 to advance on to play the Alabama Crimson Tide in the quarterfinals of the SEC tournament. That game on tomorrow. We'll be back on the other side of this break talking with Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Stay with us here on On the Line. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Ramping up hour number one of On the Line on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. No Gardner, Levi Fitzwater with you. That's at Point Gardner at Levi Fitzwater on Twitter. Phone lines are open, 334-321-1390. We want to hear from you. That's the number to call, 334-321-1390. Wrapping up hour number one here, just a bit of a preview about how we're going to start off hour number two. We're going to tell you the five teams that are most likely to win it all in college basketball if you're filling out your bracket, we believe that among these five teams, that is going to be your national champion. I don't even need to see the bracket. I don't even need to see the matchups. It's going to be among this group that is most likely to win 
the national championship in college basketball. We're going to give you those five teams in hour number two. That's subject to change for me. It might once I see the bracket, these teams might might get some matchups that I'm not favorable of. But we'll give you just the teams that we think five best teams overall going into the tournament that we think have the best shot going you know going into the tournament. And if you're not doing anything right now, you need to hop on and watch this Florida Vanderbilt game. Vanderbilt has gotten hot. hot. They have gotten on a run. We were we were on the break, getting excited in here, watching Vanderbilt fight back and push Florida to the ring. Stackhouse holding up three figures because the threes are falling for Vandy right now. They heard me talking. They heard me talking about them. They're playing for me. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't need this to happen. It's fun, but I, I picked Florida to go to the title game on an upset run. I think they get hot here. I got to win in this game. Then going on and beating Tennessee tomorrow, mainly because of Tennessee's ineptitude on the offensive end away from Knoxville. And then I think it's a great matchup if they end up actually playing the Crimson Tide in the semis they take on Alabama I just think that's a great matchup for Florida because Florida is one of the best defensive teams on the three-point line Alabama is going to have a hard time igniting on the offensive end and then Florida with their ability to score down low that's going to give Alabama some fits I like that Florida team in the semis get onto the SEC title game and then they'll run into the buzzsaw that is the Arkansas Razorbacks at this point oof and it's a lot I mean but we're only what two three different wins away from Vanderbilt, Mississippi State. How about that? Huh? Is it three away? So if Mississippi it State is. beats Alabama. It would Al- be the semifinals. That yeah. would be gross. I would love to see that. Let's make it happen. I'm upset. I don't care about anybody else anymore. I want chaos. Everybody else can lose. And the reason why you're upset and how we're going to wrap up our number one here, ACC tournament uh. news, Duke, they are removed from the ACC tournament due to COVID-19 related issues. They are forced into a forfeit situation with the Florida State Seminoles and Florida State advances. I was excited for that matchup. You predicted this. I was excited. I thought it was going to be a good game. You know that talent-wise, even if Duke has been a 500 team this year, you knew that the way that they recruit, they had every bit as good of talent as Florida State. You knew it was going to be a good ball game, especially with Duke having gotten two games to get hot, like we were talking about when we were filling out our SEC tournament bracket. Oftentimes, you see those teams that get one extra game, they can use that as a springboard to go on a run in a tournament, whereas some of these other teams had to wait an extra day, and then it's them trying to get it jump-started in a foreign location, different sight lines. The other team's already used to that, and so sometimes it can work to your advantage if you're a talented team like Duke, and Duke very well could have gone on a run here and made it to the NCAA tournament by winning the ACC tournament, but they will not receive that opportunity due to covid related issues i went to bed last night feeling like one of the the smartest people in the room because i I had it all laid out i said the get right game the revenge game they were gonna get hot but there's a lot of people in your quote room because anybody that likes duke which is a ton of people in basketball if you don't like duke in basketball you probably like kentucky and if you don't like one of those two then you're probably a well-liked human being because you, because <laughs> everybody loves to hate those two schools. But everybody in the Duke room was saying what you were saying. All Duke and, fans, every Duke fan that I know was saying and that. And it was happening. It, you, you saw the, the shellacking that they put on Louisville and Boston College, and you felt good because they were going into the matchup with the frauds that are Florida State with Leonard Hamilton and them boys. They were going to win that game easy. I mean, that's the only way them frauds could even get past, in, could get a win in the ACC tournament. That's strong language, sir. That was the only way they were going to win. strong language. I don't know if I'd call them frauds. They're frauds. Name one player on their team. Exactly. That's why they're them boys and they're frauds. 
because you can't name one. Still a top 15 team. I'm sorry. I don't watch Florida State basketball <laughs> without repentance. You know, I don't, I don't sit here just watching them over and over again. The, but yeah, in all seriousness, I did feel like Duke was going to go into this game and play a very good basketball game. And I think they were, I feel that they were going to come out on top because everything you pointed out, they'd gotten hot. They'd gotten used to this foreign gym. They got the sight lines down. They were able to get hot and play on this gym already. They had two games to go for it. The biggest thing that makes me upset about this, I mean, obviously, the fact that Duke's not going to be in the NCAA tournament is upsetting for me personally now. I'm worried about how this is going to translate to the NCAA tournament in the bubble. Is this going to be a precursor of we're going to see matchups that get dropped and forfeited? Or is it going to be like the NBA where everything's going to be nice, tidy, well-kept? You're not going to see any positive tests? That's what I'm hoping for. I don't want to, you know. I, I really wonder how these teams are approaching this, like your one seeds, because we were we were joking off air, probably, you know, not joking, but like what happens if a 16 seed takes down a one seed because a one seed gets a positive COVID test, right? And it's and that's for basketball fans. I mean, if you're if you're out there just rooting for utter chaos in that situation, which you should not be rooting for that kind of chaos. Hey, you don't want anybody to get sick. Exactly. You don't you want don't, anybody to contract this disease. You don't want that, that at be, all. That would be wild, though. It, it, yeah, and it's just one of those things where I worry that this is going to translate to the NCAA tournament. It, it isn't a bubble, and the NBA showed that they could do the bubble in terms of basketball very well and not have positive tests. But you got to remember these are college kids, and I worry that some of the college kids might do college kid things. And I, I hope that that doesn't happen. I'm hoping for just a nice, clean tournament. I'm hoping for the health of all the young men that are going to be there because that's a lot of people in that area. I hope nobody gets sick and we, they can have a clean tournament and they can all play to the best of their abilities. I am worried, though, that this might be a problem, at least in terms of the sport itself and maybe having to have some forfeitures moving forward. A look at what's happening tonight in the SEC tournament, and we'll break down and give you our picks on these games later on in the show. Georgia and Missouri, that's 10 seed Georgia, 7 seed Missouri, 6 p.m. SEC Network, and then the late game tonight on SEC Network at 8, South Carolina Ole Miss, that's the 11-6 game. So there's going to be some good basketball on tonight. I'm picking upset in that Georgia-Missouri game, but we'll tell you about that later on in the show. But that does it for hour number one. When we come back, we'll tell you about our five teams most likely to win it all in college basketball. You don't want to miss that conversation. Stay with us here on On the Line. are on the line live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 1067 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Phone lines are open. Number to call 334-321-1390. We want to hear from you. Find Levi and I on Twitter at Point Gardner at Levi Fitzwater. Had a good hour number one. Spoke with Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Big thank you to him out there. Also talk some Auburn football and some Auburn baseball. What do we know about the Little Rock Trojans? 
that Auburn baseball will be facing this weekend. And then what are our thoughts on the Auburn receiver room that we've been talking about a lot this week and going through the depth chart series that we went through yesterday. If you missed any of that and you want to go check it out or if you ever miss a show, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. As promised, though, and as teased, we will now give you our five teams that are most likely to win it all in college basketball. I'm saying here amongst this group of five that I've selected, this is the way that I'm categorizing mine. Levi, you may look at yours a little bit differently, but I'm saying that amongst this group of five, you're most likely to get your national champion in college basketball. The, I mean, the, is that the way you're attacking yours? Yeah, like the most likely, the the ones that have the best chance of making it, at least in my opinion, or in our opinion, because we're going to have a little bit of differences here. Yes, you, you have foregone one of the teams that I'm most excited to see play in a tournament setting right now that team is not performing great at the moment and we'll get to that team later but do you have Gonzaga on your list they're fringe I'm, I'm debating between Gonzaga and Illinois just because I don't think I haven't seen it with Gonzaga they've made it to one chance like they do this every year they go undefeated they get they become the darling and then or if they don't go, go undefeated they lose one to St. Mary's or to BYU or something like they almost did the other night in the WCC championship game, you sure. know, I'm sure a lot, I'm sure a lot of you guys were actually up watching that game. But you get desensitized when you're Gonzaga to the competition of the WCC, and when you get to tournament play, it affects you. Look, but they, they played a tough non-conference they, schedule, and they this did, year, and they're a ta- and they, they ran over teams. They're a talented team, and I'm not debating that they're that they are good, and they're one of because they are one of the four best teams in the country. I just have a hard time thinking that they are one of the teams that can make it through a tournament setting. If that's that's where I'm uh, splitting hairs here with Gonzaga is simply for the fact that I do believe they're one of the four best teams outright, but in a tournament setting where they're having to play tough competition consistently game after game towards the end stretch, I don't know if they are one of the five most likely teams to make it to the Final Four. Well, Gonzaga's on my list. 26-0, 26-0, number one in adjusted offensive efficiency and number 12 in adjusted defensive efficiency from Kimpom.com. I like both of those numbers. In order to win a, a championship in college basketball, you need both. You need offense and defense. I think defense is more important to go all the way because there's going to be a game where your offense, especially at the end, it seems like Final Four national championships are always low-scoring affairs because of nerves there's there's always this cagey game because it's it's on the championship stage and they're just filling each other out for so long you need defense for that reason there will come a game over this six game stretch where somebody is going to be able to limit what you do offensively and you're going to need your defense to power through it so I like where they're at offensively they're the best team in the country from an offensive efficiency standpoint how much is that because they've played WCC opponents probably a large portion of it but I also like the fact that they've got great guard play Jalen Suggs is one of the best guards in college basketball if not the best guard in college basketball he's being talked about as a top five pick in the NBA draft as he should but the two leading scorers on this team are excellent big men this is probably the best front court that you're going to see in the entire tournament because their two leading scorers are averaging 14 points or more in Kispert and Timmy very few teams have that big of a luxury and look if if Gonzaga's got good big men I'm gonna trust that they got good big men because name a team in college basketball that and you look at tournament settings you remember Jim Karnowski remember Zach Collins you remember Rui Hachimura these are big names 
that delivered on the biggest stage. Gonzaga's known for their bigs. These guys are as good as advertised. My primary concern with Gonzaga is exactly what you have already said, though. The long period of time without playing solid competition because the WCC can soften the team going into the NCAA tournament, and it does just that. How often do we see BYU and St. Mary's performing well in the NCAA tournament? Never. Gonzaga's the one team that goes far on occasion because they have elite talent. I just think they're softened by the fact that they're playing lousy teams all the time. So I'm with you. I think they're I think they're amongst this group for me because they are truly one of the top five most talented teams in all of college basketball. But I'm with you. I don't think they win the national championship this year. But they are amongst my group. I don't if I had to select someone to win a title to win the title this year, it would not be Gonzaga, but I do have them on my list. They just get kind of lulled to sleep a little bit. That's just one of the things where you, they get a little bit of lulled to sleep by, you know, not playing anybody. And they had a good non-conference schedule. And they Competition's played good teams. a good thing, man. Yeah, and it's, it's a good thing. Sometimes it sometimes they just seem like they come into the tournament a little lack, lackadaisical and it just doesn't work out. That is the only knock I have on them and why I don't have them as one of the teams that are likely to make it, in my opinion. Well, give me somebody on your list. I might have them too, and if I do, then, uh, then I'll include them on my list and we'll talk about them for a bit. I like Michigan. I mean, I think they have, been, they have been shown to be a talented team. And unlike Gonzaga, I've seen them go through the gauntlet that was the Big Ten this year. And only basketball. lost three games at that. Surprising that they did. I mean, they called a hot Michigan State team at the end of the year, dropped that one. They dropped a, a fluky one to Minnesota Minis- earlier um, in the year. That yeah, was their Min- first loss of the season. Minnesota on the road, the fluky one. What was the other game that they lost? Was it to Illinois? I believe, not- they, I believe they did lose to Illinois. Which, and that's no slouch. Unless they lost to Wisconsin. It's one of those two. I mean, that's, Let's I, go back and look. I'll, I'll go and find it. You, yeah, that's you fine. Say, I, and you can't even really blame them for that Illinois loss because – they're Illinois gonna be, is one of the best teams in the country. They're going to be sitting there at that four seed, and I honestly, I like Illinois to, you know, I like them to make a good run as well in this tournament, and I could see them. Illinois is actually one of my they other. They did teams. lose to Illinois, and they lost by twenty three. I thought, I thought that was it. So yeah, I have also have Illinois on that schedule as well, just because I think that these we'll two teams are. We'll get to them in a are, bit because yeah. I love that Illinois team, and I want to devote all the time. Perfect. That I can to that Illinois team because I love that team. This Michigan team, though, they've just shown it all year. They've shown it all yeah, year, af- start to finish against games. good teams. Yeah, against the great very, teams. The Big Ten this year was an absolute gauntlet. You have a lot of Big Ten teams who That's have borderline cliche for how good the Big Ten was. I don't even know if gauntlet does it. Yeah, I does say it's service. There are a lot of teams that you look at and they're you know you're thinking oh they're kind of down this year like Michigan State you're like oh they're down this year but even they were winning those big games at the end of the year Big Ten's like Skynet took over and you're fighting Terminators all every week another cliche they were cannibalizing each other (laughs) this year they were absolutely knocking each other out and making it look worse than it is in terms of record wise but everybody realized towards the end of the year this Big Ten conference is for real Michigan's went through that gauntlet it would not surprise me if the talent of this team in that exact opposite of Gonzaga in that tournament setting, playing game after game oh, against yeah. tough competition. They've been there before all year long. It would not surprise me if they could make it make a run to a championship. Here's the report on Michigan that I've drawn up for you. Number six in adjusted offensive efficiency, number five in adjusted defensive efficiency, according to Kempom.com. To me, that makes them the most balanced team in college basketball. A team that has both a great offense and a great defense when you look at their statistics in the Big Ten and Big Ten play alone they're number two in the conference in field goal percentage they're number one in opponent field goal percentage they're holding they're holding their opponents to a shockingly low 39 percent per game that is outstanding defense that you just don't see 
across all of college basketball in this day and age and how many fouls are called all the time. This Michigan team plays physical, and they put you in a straitjacket. This is an elite defense, honestly one of the best defenses, most legitimate defenses in all of college basketball because of the competition that they play on a gamely basis. My primary concern is with this team's pace of play. They're a front court oriented team. Their top three scorers are all six foot seven or taller. That can work in your advantage because you're going to be able to beat teams down low. This is a big team. Their front court does a lot of the work for them. But I'm wondering about these guards. I'm wondering about this team's pace of play. They're one of the slowest teams in all of college basketball. Slower teams have less margin for error in tournament time because there are fewer possessions over the course of a game. Before Virginia won the national championship they're your reigning national champion right now because we didn't have a tournament last year before virginia won that national championship what happened to them the year before they were taken down by umbc got upset virginia had a terrible tournament history under that style of play we've seen other teams struggle with playing that slow of a basketball game that puts you in like the 300s in tempo according to kenpom.com it hurts you because there's less margin for error. You have to be even more efficient on both sides of the basketball to be able to squeeze teams out and win that way. And I just have a hard time with teams being able to do that as the competition grows with each round. I have a hard time with that. Michigan is is, is probably the team. Is, is, is I, If I had to rank them amongst my group, I would have them at fourth or fifth in terms of most likely to win the national championship this year because I don't like their style of play. I struggle with it. And that's fair. And that's fair to say that you struggle with their style of play and how it could happen. Cause those- it's great for the regular season because most of the time you're more talented than the teams that you play in the regular season. But with every win that you have in the NCAA tournament, you are going to play a team that is every bit as talented as you are. After the first two rounds, Sweet 16, Elite 8, Final Four, National Championship, everybody's as good as you are. And everybody has gotten to that point and has generated some type of momentum. At that point, gloves are off. It's an equal playing field. Of course, there are fewer. There are some teams that are better than others. You know, sometimes there's a one seed that is just far and above other folks. I think back to that Louisville national championship back. What was that like? 2012 when they beat Michigan that year, and they they were by far better than everybody else. The Kentucky national championship that was around that same time, probably also 2012. I think the Louisville title was 2013, and Kentucky was 2012. The Anthony Davis title is the one I'm talking about. Yeah, I think sometimes was, you get a yeah. one seed that is better than everybody else, right? And they go all the way and they win the whole thing. But most of the time, you get into the tournaments. Once you get to Sweet 16 and beyond, gloves are off. Anybody can win this thing, and pace of play can be a deciding factor. I favor teams that play the game you know, in the top half of the country, some teams that are balanced, some teams that are fast. I favor those teams more than I favor teams like Michigan. So I really don't like this team and not a, lot, a team but, at, Not a team at 246 in adjusted tempo. But when you talk about them in terms of their balance and all the good things that we said about them, they're definitely amongst this group because they are better. They are going to get to the Sweet 16 or beyond based on their talent and their skill level alone. Yeah, I mean that's that's just a team that's going to make a run that we believe in because of talent alone and because they're battle tested. So who's somebody on yours that you that you may have that because uh, because we've talked about Gonzaga, we've talked about Michigan. Who's somebody else on your list that you got on there that I may not have? It, Iowa. See, I don't have them on mine. I like them. I, I love Lou Garza. I mean, you, you can see in these tournaments where they're experienced. Every now and then, you have one guy who can make a run in a tournament. You, you think of like the Kimball Walker, the Kimball Walker Kentucky teams, where or Kentucky Connecticut teams, where uh, you have one guy take over. I mean, even Steph Curry did it at Davidson. They didn't win, but he took over that tournament and propelled that team to a run. 
I like what Lou Garza does. I like the offense that they bring to the table. If I'm not mistaken, they are what is that? They're number Sec- one. Yeah, they're well, they're second in adjusted offensive. Oh, really? Over I thought here. they were at number one. Uh, Gonzaga is at number one. That's now. right. I already said that they're at number two. Yeah, yeah they're right. number two. They've been not a. Uh, they've not been a lucky team. They're two hundred forty third in luck on Kim Palm rankings as well, or Kim Palm ratings as well. So I think you know they've just had a couple of bad breaks. They've played against a very good schedule. They've played against good defenses in terms of you know the Big Ten that they played in. I think their opposing opponent defense is eleventh right now in the country. So they've been playing against a lot of tough ones right now, or you know throughout their year. And then you want to flip that with Baylor, who's also had a good offensive schedule. They've been playing against. Bad defense, according to Kim Palm's ratings. That's why I like Iowa. I think they can go on a run. They're vet. I'll go ahead and say the cliche. Veteran guard play. You got one of the best players going into the tournament, if not the best player in college basketball right now. That's up for debate because there's a lot of great basketball players playing the game right now. I can see this team going on a run. For the all the reasons that you just said is why I don't like this Iowa team. <laughs> and you're you, look, I love their experience. You're 100% on that. But... I'm wondering really what this team is outside of Garza. I, that, I, and I think that's fair to say. They're 20-7 and seven on the year. I want to know what this team is outside of Garza, and I still don't know if we effectively know that this team can make a deep run without him. I think at some point this team gets caught because a lot of what Iowa tries to do on the offensive end does rely on the best player in college basketball or one of the best, player in, uh, one of the best players in college basketball. I mean, he's going to be up for that Naismith Award. So I have a hard time with Iowa outside of that. Another thing that's super gross to me about this Iowa team, you're on KimPom.com right now, right? Yep. They're in the 60s of defensive efficiency. That really bothers me because even if they have played great talent in the Big Ten, what what does that even what does that mean about Illinois and Michigan then as defensive teams who are both top ten in efficiency? They found out how to play defense in the league. This Iowa team may be bad, better on defense than your you know average common rabble that they're going to face in the in the NCAA tournament. But I have a hard time with them in this top five here because I think when they get to the Sweet Sixteen, if they do reach that far, which is very possible, they do. They're they're probably you know they're one of the top sixteen teams in the country right now. I'm with you there. They make it to the Sweet Sixteen, they are going to run into a team that's going to be able to score on them at will, and they're going to find a way to isolate Garza. I have a hard time with them because I don't see them as a team. I see them more as a player. So, but I, hey, I'm with you. They does were, that does that also worry you for? with Baylor because they're only three points off in adjusted defensive efficiency as it well. It does. That is actually but, and I, and for each of these teams that I have in my five you, you have you have their their cons I have my, as well. I have and that's my one main of them. concern for them, my primary concern. And look, I'll tell you, I was deciding Iowa, Houston, and Alabama were going to be among were were, were fighting for that fifth place for me on this list. And I'm not going to give away who I went with. Obviously, I didn't we'll go talk away. about it after that, after the break. We'll end up hitting on those. And, and I obviously didn't go with Iowa there. But, you know, I've got the four best teams in college basketball on mine. And then I wanted to find, all right, who's that fifth team that's just out there randomly in college basketball that I think has the best chance of going on a run that can shock some people. Um, we've each given away two. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll try and give two more. Uh, and then we'll wrap it up later on in the show as well. So you're listening on the line. We're telling you our five teams most likely to win it all in college basketball. Stay with us here on On the Line. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Phone lines are open. Number to call 334-321-1390. We want to hear from you, 334-321-1390. Anything you want to talk about, call in. We want to hear from you. We're going through our five teams most likely to win it all in college basketball. We've we've each given two. I've given Gonzaga and Michigan. 
You have Michigan on yours as well. The other team that you've gone through? Iowa. Iowa, that's right. That love, was how we ended the conversation. Love Luke Garza. Love it, what they're doing offensively. And you brought up Baylor. When I was still talking about my concerns with Iowa at this point, you brought up Baylor as a team. Well, are they on your list? Because no. that's that's my same. Well, you were asking me if they were on my list. And I said yes. And you're like, well, I have, a same, I have a similar concern about them in regards to their defense, which is sitting above 30th, which is, which is a little bit too high for me when I'm talking about national championship teams. But this Baylor team is amongst the five teams I feel like most likely to win it all in college basketball. When you see someone's 21-1 and in the second toughest conference in all of college basketball with the Big 12, that, that resonates with me. They're number three in adjusted offensive efficiency, number 33 in adjusted defensive efficiency, both of those according to KimPom.com. What sticks out to me also on KimPom.com about Baylor is they're number 59 in luck. They're one of the luckier teams in college basketball. And if you go and look at their schedule, they've won some games that are close. Now, some of you folks out there may be wondering if you're not familiar with KimPom.com or you may, maybe you don't like the nerd stats. You're probably like, well, how do they quantify luck? Quantify luck by... Maybe they won a game that they shouldn't have based off of uh, you know whatever metrics and formulas that KimPom.com uses to evaluate these teams. When you're talking about efficiency margin, how far away did did Baylor winning this game deviate from what was expected going into the ball game? It's kind of like did did you cover or not? You know, did did you upset somebody? And this Baylor team's won some games that are pretty close that you're kind of like oh maybe they shouldn't have won that game if it had flipped you know there's you know people Auburn fans should be very familiar call, with luck right you know, a call here and there a, a rebound that you know bounces off a guy's head or hand some weird that way Auburn like basketball team that ones. went on a final four run had a lot of close wins those kind of go down as luck when they're when they're pulling off tight wins over teams that probably should have beaten them this Baylor team comes in at 21 and one overall on the year having won some close games I think they have the best guard play in all of college basketball as evidenced by their top five scorers are all guards Davion Mitchell obviously you should be very familiar with that individual considering he's an Auburn transfer that flourished once he went out to Waco this Baylor team once again guard play guard play guard play when you get to tournament time who's got the best guards Baylor has the best guards and you can't argue that with me when your top five scorers are guards and that that's literally you carrying your team they have the most consistent and deep guard play in all of college basketball but my primary concern with this Baylor team or primary concerns and why I don't think they'll win the national championship this year there's a lack of a true leader in the front court when you've got five guys that are all guards that are your leading scorers and your top scorer that is a Ford is only averaging just a shy just, just a little bit over six points a ball game and you don't have a single rebounder in that front court that's averaging more than 6.3 rebounds per game and your two bigs are averaging about six rebounds a game and about six points a game oh no that doesn't that that scares me a little bit if they were to run into like a Gonzaga that has two excellent big men that absolutely dominate the floor like if Gonzaga and Baylor were to play each other I'm taking Gonzaga in that game I think there's a mitch uh, a mismatch inside the paint the other thing that scares me for Baylor is 33 and adjusted defensive efficiency bothers me a little bit that's a little bit too low for me because if there's a day that your offense if your offense isn't playing well that defense doesn't just shout to me that they're going to be good enough to like to so, help you out like to bail the offense out when they're having a bad day Baylor beat Illinois earlier this year they play again Illinois wins you know and Illinois is one of those more uh, you know more efficient offensive teams they run into a team that can score 
and, and, and score without remorse and, and you can't stop them but they have just enough defense to maybe limit what you're doing because you're all guards and they can protect the three-point line and, and protect you out there on the perimeter which is where Baylor is one of the best teams in the country at at shooting threes if they lock down that three-point line well that's enough for you to lose and so this Baylor team is one of the best in college basketball it's honestly one of the two or three best teams in all of college basketball but they're not fully complete without uh, a big man that can lock it down down low I have concerns about Baylor they're not in my top five I don't think that I, and it's not left them off entirely and what? it's and it's not saying that they're not one of the Ew. I think they're one of the five best teams in the country right now or not right now but I think they're just talent wise they've been they've shown that they're a good basketball team a great basketball team even I have concerns that just go beyond the game they missed a, a lot of time this year well who's on your list then that I don't have because you've already told me your list. Tell everybody else out there uh, the Big 12 team that you got on there instead of Baylor. Kansas. It's obvious. The Blue Blood. They're the one coming blue out. Blue Blood that's good this year. North Carolina's getting better, though. They, they, they are getting they better. Smited Notre Dame last uh, night. Duke's a good Blue Blood team. They were until, you know, they got unfortunately had to forfeit a game against the frauds at our Florida State. But Baylor. They missed a lot of time. They missed a lot of time from, you know, what, February the 6th until February the 20th. They come out. They haven't played the same since. Five-point win at home against Iowa State. Not a great basketball team they this year. They lost to Kansas. Got beat bad by Kansas. They go on the road to West Virginia. They they get a good win in that one, but it's a, it's closer. They beat Oklahoma Defense State. Defense wasn't very good in that game either no. against West Virginia. Yeah, they gave up, what, 89 points in that game. Yeah, one in overtime, right? Yes, yeah, they won, yeah, they won, they won two in OT, in OT and two then, or four points. Yeah, and then Oklahoma State, they get a good win in Texas Tech, which I'm not sold on Texas Tech right now. I'm actually like I'm selling stock on Texas Tech. I was high on them. They, February rolled around, they started losing ball games. Yeah, they they what, kind they of have like nine or ten losses now. I, I, they have. I think, to. They, I think they're sixteen and nine at the moment. They've uh, they've not been impressive down the stretch for me personally. I don't like what they've been doing. Uh, they've been losing a lot of close games. Oklahoma State's gotten better. But again, it was at Waco, and this was kind of it's kind of like a game that you expect Oklahoma State to win. Well, what State is Oklahoma State outside of Cade Cunningham? Exactly. They're, they're not a complete they're, they're team. they got one of the best guards, possibly the number one overall pick in next year's NBA draft. But outside of that, they're still same old average Oklahoma State basketball, yeah. which is why Baylor wins that game. And Yeah, I mean, they're just average Oklahoma State basketball, and you're playing on the road, which Waco's a tough place to play, at least it has been, even, even with – no so fans. sell me on Kansas then instead of anti-Baylor sell me on Kansas I think that Kansas is going to go on a run in this big 12 tournament they the good win they, they play had, Oklahoma tonight they play Oklahoma tonight which it's crazy to look and see Oklahoma is the seventh seed in the big 12 tournament that just shows how good well, the they big slid been. at the end they got hot and beat three top 10 teams in a row and, and they beat Alabama bit. at the beginning uh late late January when it was SEC big 12 challenge and then they lost some games late they cooled the, off. The thing I like about Kansas, it's actually the opposite of Baylor. At least their strength has been their defense. So it always is when you're talking about Kansas, defense and rebounding. Adjusted defensive, uh, at least on Ken Palm, their adjusted defense is seventh in the country right now. I like that. It's good enough to win your national championship. Problem is, offense, 58. You're going to have to find some right. scoring. And I think, and this is just me saying this. That's going what scares me the about big, them. Yeah, it's just the offense. But I think going through the Big 12 – tournament i think they're going to get a little hot i think they're going to go on a bit of a run i think they beat baylor and i think they win the big 12 title all it takes is you've seen it before you've seen some teams that play really good defense learn how to shoot in the tournament or get hot shooting and i think that that's going to happen i think they're going to get hot shooting the ball down the stretch of this and i think that the also bill, bill self i mean he's been there before 
And I think that that carries a lot of weight, at least come tournament time. I think it carries a lot of weight when you're a guy like Bill, Bill Self, you know, riding this ship, being the captain of what Kansas is right now. And I think defense is going to be enough to carry them as long as they can put together some sort of competent offense along the way. My problem with Kansas, last time they won a national championship, 2008, and you bring up that offense, my problem with them is the offense. Not the fact that they haven't won a title since 08, because if I was going with that logic, Auburn would never win a national championship. But Hardly anybody would. Hardly their, anybody would. Exactly. My problem with them is their offense, because the thing that has plagued them in tournament after tournament after tournament since 08 has been the offense. the offense if you've ever got a concern with kansas it's because they just can't they can't put up the points bill self has always had great defensive teams but the offense is always subpar enough just just not good enough to take them all the way because at some point and i opened this whole segment that we've been doing and we'll uh we'll be coming up on a break in a second so we'll keep going with it because we've still got two more teams each but i opened this whole thing saying that it's, it's probably most important that you have a defense but you still need to be able to score you still need to have a top 25, top 20 offense in college basketball. And Kansas is not that. They're not even a top 50 offense. Not yet. Not right now. Give it time. And they could heat up. And that's and oftentimes that's how you see teams run through the tournament that maybe were a fringe team for you. Because in Kansas, and maybe I should have considered them as a fringe team, but that offense just it's hard. bothers me so much. I just remember looking back for... There's just something special is, about Kansas dysfunction on the offensive end of the floor. And there's just something about special about that name Kansas that you think... They're gonna put it together come tournament time. But name they're a, get but name hot. a team. They're like the Georgia of college football, you know. Like name a coach who has had except, more. Except they've has, won a national. You know, they've won a national yeah, championship recently, within the you know the right. past sixty years. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, name a coach in college basketball who has that much talent but does so little with it. Bill Self, man. I don't know if you can name another. I think you got me. Give me a break. I'll think about it. More of on the line on the other side of this break. Stay with us. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. We want to hear from you. Want to talk to you about what's ever on your mind in the sports world. Call in, 334-321-1390. 90 talking some college basketball here are five teams most likely to win it all in college basketball we've gone through three teams each i've got gonzaga baylor and michigan amongst that group you've got michigan who else i got michigan iowa kansas is gonzaga not on your list at all either not gonzaga nor baylor oh i don't i I just i'm not a fan of what they've done in the tournament spicing it up because that does happen in tournaments but man i don't like what they're doing and that's not saying that they're not because if you're if you're asking me if they're one of the top four best teams in basketball, I agree. I just don't like their ability to go through the tournament, and that and that's what we're saying. Who has the best shot to win the tournament? I don't. And rarely, rarely does it happen that the best college basketball team wins the tournament. Well, this is a team that's on both of our list, and I absolutely adore and is going to be that team that I'm going to not irrationally because they're don't, going to be a don't give seed. them the kiss of death. Don't you give them the kiss of death and you talk too highly of them. Well, I'm about to. And they are 
they are a one seed this year. Illinois is going to be a one seed, but I'm going to like irrationally adore this team so much and going to be crushed. I got to root for somebody who's orange and blue in this NCAA tournament. And it's going to be the Fighting Illini. They're I might, so, I might just have to go and get a jersey online so, for this team. They are just so balanced and like balanced in a in a great way. Yeah. Like they are just absolutely a, an very similar to Michigan team. in that way. Great on offense, great on defense, really elite on defense, great on offense, elite on defense. This team number seven. And adjusted offensive efficiency, to put that in perspective, Michigan was number six. They're number six in adjusted defensive efficiency. Michigan was number five. I mean, these two teams are neck and neck, very similar in terms of balance. Illinois, though, is enjoying that balance, and this is why I think they're a better team than Michigan, despite having an inferior record there, 26 on the year uh, compared to Michigan at 19-3. and The reason why I think they're a better team, they enjoy the balance at a much faster pace of play, possibly that makes them more dangerous than Michigan because they're able to stay so efficient at that faster pace of play whereas slower teams in college basketball and I was talking about that with with Michigan and why I have such a hard time with them going far in tournaments is they have less margin for error throughout a basketball game because there are fewer possessions Illinois has ways to generate more possessions I really like this Illinois team because despite the fact that they're playing so fast Alabama plays the ball game blistering fast you know they're a top 20 team and if it, uh, i actually think they're a top 10 team they're eight they're yeah, eighth in adjusted right. tempo alabama is eighth in tempo guess what they're 44th on the offensive end in terms of you know in offensive efficiency ranking. so they're fast it's not efficient right on, on that offensive end you see very few teams that are that fast that keep it that high in those offensive rankings and illinois has done that and even you know also rare is that they were able to that these fast teams that like to push the floor we've seen that with Bruce Pearl teams where they maybe lack a little bit on the defensive end this Illinois team does not lack anything on the defensive on the defensive end they don't give up anything in defensive efficiency on Michigan if I'm comparing those two teams Michigan's so much slower maybe that helps their defense out a lot because they're playing at that pace does Michigan still play that way if they get sped up look at what Illinois did to them the last time they played beat them by 23 this Illinois team also in terms of conference play alone what they've done in conference play they're the number one team in big 10 play in field goal percentage on the offensive end and then on the defensive end they're number two in the big 10 and opponent field goal percentage they're holding teams to about 41 percent a game i like this illinois team more than michigan i trust their offense more than michigan does when you get into the later stages of the tournament elite eight and beyond everybody can play defense when you get to that point once you get to elite eight and beyond it's all about buckets and who's got more offense than the other teams everybody at that level can play defense for the most part the teams that are competing for the national title all of them can play defense the great separator is who has more offense and this illinois team's got it my primary concern with this group alone though the only thing because i'm giving i'm giving everybody my concerns with them what might hold them back from winning the whole thing i'm not going to go all positive i'm trying to avoid that kiss of death like you said my primary concern with this team is how they defend the three-point line they give up 36 percent from the three-point line if somebody when this team has lost this year they've given up a lot of points that though in their six losses majority of them have come when they've been outscored into the high 70s and, and then into the 80s they've lost some games that way if they're giving it up giving it up on the three-point line and somebody gets hot say maybe alabama and illinois meet later stages of the tournament and alabama's on a roll shooting the lights out of the gym like they can do from three-point line this illinois team gets beat I mean, that's exactly what I was about to say. I was going to say if they ran into a team like Alabama on a hot day where Alabama is just shooting the three ball so well, they could be in for a problem. I don't have – there's not a lot of concerns outside of that. And there's out, there's one other one that gets me 
and it's the fact that it's Illinois. I mean, you talk about that, right? It's hard to... Yeah, during the break, I was like, it's hard for me to imagine them lifting the trophy, but they are on your they, list. Yes, they are on my list as well for everything that you said. They are so balanced, you know, top 10 in both adjusted offensive efficiency and defensive. They're a much higher tempo team than Michigan, which means they are going to get more opportunities to shoot the basketball in games along with an efficient offense. The things that scare you, you already hit that on the head, the three-point, defending the three-point. If you find a team that can shoot the three well and they're hitting it that day, they're going to be in for trouble. I'm I, I'm very hesitant to say that this team is going to win it all for one reason and one reason only, and that is just because it's Illinois and it is hard to picture them holding that trophy. And they haven't done it before, and it's hard to it's hard to look at it in your brain. Try to picture that out there right now. Picture Illinois at the end of the year cutting down the cutting down the nets. It's hard to do. It really is. But this team is just so balanced. I think they're probably one of the most complete teams that we have in this tournament. They're one seed. I like their chances of making a deep run and go into the national championship game. I'm trying to find real quick a list of past national champions. Let's see. Championship games. Gosh, it starts in 1939. All right, here we go. I remember 1939. That was a great one. Here are your last champions. Virginia, Villanova, North Carolina, Villanova, Duke, Connecticut is a little bit of an outlier. Louisville, Kentucky, Connecticut again, that Kimball Walker team back in 2011. Still feels like an outlier, but it only feels like an outlier because of their last six seasons. They've been pretty underwhelming. Yeah. Connecticut's team has been, but back in 2014 and before that, they were one of college basketball's – uh, they were among college basketball's elite. 2010, Duke. 2009, yeah. North Carolina. 2008, Kansas. And then before that, it gets a little bit more disjointed. But when you look at all the teams that win national championships. Now you see why I've picked the way I pick and why I sit there and go, well, this team's probably going to win because it's Because of their name. And it seems that that holds a lot towards the end of the year. This is a weird year. This is a wacky year. In my my opinion, it doesn't count because, you know, know, Duke didn't get to make it. So this one doesn't count. But this could be a wacky year where you see something – you know, you're missing a lot of those blue bloods. Kentucky's not going to be in there. Duke's not going to be in there. North Carolina playing good as of late, but has not been impressive. Villanova has not been impressive as of late. They're still a good offensive team, but they can't guard anybody right now. They just got beat out of their own conference tournament. It would it would shock me to see a team that you wouldn't – like, I wouldn't be shocked if I saw a team that we didn't expect. Like Somebody on that list where you're naming off those guys, and you're like, yeah, I expect all those teams. To win a to win a national championship, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens this year. In terms of you see a team that's not on that list, but I'm still rocking that a team like Michigan probably goes on and wins it because you expect that to happen. If your name's not Louisville, Villanova, Kansas, Connecticut, Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, UCLA, Michigan State to a degree, but that, the last time they won a title was 2000. I'm having a hard time imagining you lifting a trophy. And that's not to say that's a really hard time. It's just you can't you because the last time that someone not named those teams won one was back all the way in 2007, and also before that in 2006, Florida won back to back ones. But before that, the last time that it was somebody not named one of those teams was 03 with Syracuse, who was also a perennial team in college basketball. They just don't have multiple championships. And then before that, 02 with Maryland. It's been it's been a little while. It doesn't happen often. It's because it, it can happen, but it doesn't happen often. It's because through most of your adult life, it hasn't happened. And that and for most of your adult life, you have not seen right. You you haven't seen it for yourself. That's why it's hard for you to picture a, a random team lifting it up. And especially with the and even if, you know, you have seen other teams do that in your adult life or even in your life in general, you still haven't seen it recently. 
And by recently, I mean within the past like 10 to 15 years. For the I'm just part. ready for Indiana to be an elite basketball team again. Oof. That's, Oof. That's, 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 you like Duke, I like Indiana. I feel that. Do yeah. you have a Duke jersey? Please tell me you do. Of course. Okay, good. So, Actually, so almost, you're, not, you're, not, you're uh, not a fraud of a fan, right? I'm not going to lie. I was going to wear a jacket today with the Duke jersey underneath it, and I was okay. going to like break it out and show you. And if they had one. Well, they didn't have Well, a, that's right. Yeah, yeah, then I woke up with the so sad you went news. With the, so you went with the gray melancholy shirt. Oh, uh, I was. I, <laughs> it looks good, though. It's I a woke, nice Nike polo. I woke up and I was almost in tears this morning. It was just <laughs> such a, it's such a sad day. And you, you hit on Connecticut, which I'm not sold on this team. I don't think they're a team that can make a run. Kim Palm's pretty high on them, and I'm starting to see them make a little late surge. If Maybe, I don't like Houston, I don't, I, if I don't, like, I don't Houston, like Houston, I don't like Connecticut because they're both out of the same conference and. Actually, they're no, they're, play- they're oh, in two they different... They did move to the Big East. Yeah, I they moved to the Big that. East. They're in the Big East now. They, they play a, a little that. bit tougher of a schedule now. This is like their first year. I don't know if I'd say it's that much better, but That's maybe the, at the yeah. top. But at the, It's a it's a top-heavy conference. Yeah, yeah. I, I I don't get it. You because got Villanova and Creighton, but after that... It's, it's not anything that I've actually looked into. It's just looking at you know their 21st in Ken Palm's uh, ratings. I've seen them make a little bit of late surge. I'd have 14 and 6 in a not-good conference. I would do a more deep dive to see why people are kind of starting to get high on this Connecticut team because I don't see it. Obviously, I haven't looked into it. I haven't paid attention to Connecticut all year, which that seems like the years that they win, right? That nobody's paying attention to them and Connecticut goes on that run and ends up winning. That's right. Let's go ahead and get our last team in here because we we both have this team on here as well. I'll explain it from my perspective first. I know you're a little bit more high up on this team than I am right now because I think they get upset in the SEC tournament. Wink, wink. But um, I thought they did too, but you know. Alabama, yeah, yeah, that's fair. You had a losing in the first round. Alabama, twenty-one and six. I've got them as my fifth team here. And I said earlier in the show, I said this Alabama team. I was trying to decide is this fifth team would it be Alabama, Iowa, and I said one other team that I that I'm currently forgetting about at the moment. Did I did I say any? Who who's the third team that I was? Obviously, it's not that you, important. It was mainly between Alabama and Iowa. Houston, yeah, Houston. Houston may have which been you're the third not team. a big fan of Houston because of the conference they play in. Also, pace of play is horrendous. Oh God, They're one of the slowest teams in college basketball. Major th- offensive three concerns twen- with that three twentieth. 320th in the yeah. country major offensive concerns with that team and, and then the fact that they're lulled to sleep by the american have issues with them that's why they didn't really get considered iowa because they have the best player in college basketball this alabama team though if they can get hot i can see a final four run like auburn did and the difference between this alabama team and that auburn team is this alabama team has an elite defense 21-6 overall number 44 in adjusted offensive efficiency that's not good enough but they're number three in adjusted defensive efficiency. They have an elite defense in college basketball. Alabama's a Sweet 16 team by defense alone. I think they get that far unless maybe they catch a Loyola in the second round or something like that if that were to occur. But if this offense experiences a similar hot streak that Auburn did in 2019, because of that defense, this Alabama team is going to scorch through the tournament. Because I think they can hold pretty much any team in college basketball down below their average and what they're accustomed to doing on the offensive end but if their offense can find the buckets because what did i say earlier i said when you reach the elite eight at that point everybody can play defense at a high level what separates you is can you know what do you have the buckets in you do you have the buckets to win the ball games when they're close or does the other team have it and this alabama team for the last month has has won on defense alone against inferior competition the sec but what happens when they play the best the country has to offer what happens when they play illinois what happens when they play michigan what happens when they play baylor what happens when they play gonzaga do they have the buckets internally i don't think they have the buckets i don't think alabama's going to win this thing i don't don't even think they're going to reach to the final four i think they're a sweet 16 team maybe an elite eight team at the max but mainly because i don't think this team gets scorching hot at the moment i think they probably do lose sweet 16 elite eight somewhere in there but 
I was having a hard time finding a fifth team and I like this Alabama team probably a, a little bit more than I like any of the other teams that I maybe have considered for five I knew what four teams I liked the most in college basketball to win this whole thing and I was like well who's going to be the fifth one and Alabama was just the team that that I selected for that position I, I like Alabama simply for the fact that they're just built for a tournament they are built to play in the tournament missing if they one, get hot they're yeah, also built to be upset was, at this tournament. yeah it's exactly yeah you're exactly right they're built to make it if they get hot the team can score they very well could be 2018 auburn basketball yeah they yeah good hmm, that's a good it's it's very comparable this team could go either of two ways in my opinion they could get put out the first round they could get put out the second round or they could make it to the final four this team is built for that kind of run if they get hot, you have to score more efficiently. I like their defense. You got the tenacious D. You got veteran guard play. You got everything you're looking for in a tournament team. They're all about the guards. That's what's best about this Alabama team is the guard play. And that's what carries you in a tournament. They run the. They have very good tempo. They're going to get a lot of possessions. What are you going to make out of those possessions? So they're getting a lot, and they have not been efficient with them, especially in the past. You know what month of the year or month of the season and when you play teams that are comfortable in, a, in an up-tempo style of play like illinois like baylor like gonzaga those teams that are comfortable at that pace there are other teams that, that fit into that bill I, I think iowa plays a relatively relatively balanced style of play Yeah, they're but, more they're like what 105 in terms yeah that's of tempo, relatively so, yeah. balanced so you, you play a team that can play at that speed that doesn't get scared when they have to play at that tempo and that, that's not going to affect them that much then alabama loses if they're if they're not if they're, they're not, not on their piece of if, they're, cues, if right? they're not efficient yeah i think i think which is that, what holds them back i think they have a good chance too it alabama i can this will change based off of what happens in the sec tournament if we see alabama come out tomorrow and get beat by mississippi state they do play tomorrow correct they do yeah if they come out and lose mississippi state they're out for me because this is the chance that they need to get hot and go through that run i if they're not if they don't win the sec tournament or at least make it to the championship game and look good doing so I don't have as much confidence in them as the fifth team. Sure. And what and, what did Auburn do the year they went to the Final Four? They got hot in the tournament. And they won the SEC tournament. And then they went on. They kept that hot streak, yep. uh, kept the hot streak going to a degree. That, that first game was they a little tough. They reignited t- in the Kansas game. Yeah. It, it's a little tough. But, yeah, Alabama could see a sim- similar trajectory if they get hot. On the other side of this break, we wrap up the show. Stay with us here on On the Line. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Wrapping up the show here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Follow ESPN 106.7 on Facebook and Twitter to keep up with the latest going on at the station. Between the Max Roundtable, On the Line, The Drive with Bill Cameron, there's seven hours of local sports talk all the way from 11 to 6 on your radio dial here on 106.7. That's all on ESPN 106.7. Find the website on ESPNAU.com if you want to listen to the internet stream. Uh, all that once again there on ESPNAU.com and on your radio dial on ESPN 106.7. A look at the SEC basketball tournament scoreboard today. Mississippi State squeaked by Kentucky after blowing a 14-point lead at halftime, 74-73. They defeat the Wildcats to advance to play the one-seed Alabama tomorrow. Um, I had Kentucky winning that game on my bracket. I was wrong, but then I've been right everywhere else so far. Vanderbilt beat A&M obviously yesterday to advance to play Florida today. And they pushed Florida, gave them everything they could, but Florida does advance to take on the 4-seed Tennessee tomorrow, 25 minutes after the conclusion of Mississippi State-Alabama. They beat Vanderbilt 69-63, to and that Vandy team went on quite the run. They were uh, 
they, they were looking good in they that. They were mo- leading in the second half at one point. I think it was, it was like 55-54. Vandy was leading after a bit of a run. But Florida was able to uh, to keep them at bay and to find a way to get them back out at arm's length and close out the ball game in the final, in the final moments. You forgot about the most important recap of what happened yesterday. Duke? No. Mass Singer. Oh, oh. Nah, I'm not getting into that. <laughs> did you see who it was? I did not. Kermit the Frog. <laughs> what? Kermit the Frog was the show Kermit all. the Frog was under the snail costume. They really stepped up their game this year for the Masked Singer. How does that work? Could oh, he you not a- hear that it was Kermit the Frog, or was Kermit the Frog not sounding like Kermit the oh, Frog? It was, it was Kermit the Frog. Kermit my, the Frog here. Yeah, my mind is blown. I mean, they have really put out all the stops for this year. Whatever you're doing, watch the Masked Singer. What if What if every week it's a Muppet, and you're not like? What if that's What if this is every week it's a Muppet? <laughs> that would be crazy. That would absolutely. I mean, at some, what, what's the name of the 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 chef Muppet? You know, the one oh, that just the, speaks like gibberish. Yeah, yeah, the whole the, time you would know that one. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's like I think I know who that guy is, but yeah, they uh, That's funny. they pulled out a big uh, a big big trick on us last night, a big sneaky sneak, and they they tried to slide that one by us. But That's pretty good. Who it got me? Yeah, Duke was the other big news last night because they were on the roll, they were hot, and then you know, bad news today. I'm sad though that you've opted to watch the Mass Singer rather than college basketball, or did you have two TVs going? Of course, you, you watch both. You going. watch both when Duke's playing. The TV's always on Duke, and if the Mass Singer's Do you have on, two it's smart TVs, on or are you like hooking up a computer into one of them, I'm trying to figure out how you get. I got two smart TVs. Television. I just moved. I moved the smart TV from my bedroom into the living room, and then okay. just watch both of them. See, I don't have two smart TVs. I just have the one. And I, got, I had a very sick deal on a Black Friday a few years ago at Best Buy. That's how I ended and, up And with I that. have no way to connect my computer to the other TV that I have because I do have a small, like, you know, 20-something inch TV that I got at a thrift store. And then, you know, I, I just haven't. But then, well, you're looking at your laptop. My, right my laptop now. doesn't have an HDMI cable, so I can't hook okay. that up. And I don't have, you know, I'm not, I'm not hip with the technology. I don't have any casting technology like I should have. That's fair. That's fair. SEC tournament tonight, 6 p.m. SEC Network, two hours from now. 10 seed Georgia against 7 seed Missouri. You've got Missouri winning that game. I've got Georgia with the upset. Uh, quick thoughts here on that matchup. I mean, I, this could go either way. I'm not going to lie. I picked Missouri, and it's very fringe. I mean, I we've been hard on Missouri all year, but I've also – Georgia is so inconsistent. They can score when they want to sometimes. Sometimes they can. Will this be that game? Will it not be? I'm just going to take the team that I think is a little bit more talented and ride with them. I'm taking Georgia in this one for the fact that I think they speed up Missouri. Now, Missouri's not totally uncomfortable in that style of play, but if this Georgia team gets at their tempo, can control the game that way and play at that pace, and if they can score, you're right, they win. And then the other game tonight at 8 on SEC Network, or 25 minutes after the conclusion of Georgia-Missouri, it'll be 11 seed South Carolina against Ole Miss, who's the sixth seed. We both have Ole Miss in advancing in that one to go play LSU. Not Just, close. Yeah, I don't know. But it might be. It'll be close, but nah. It's been a weird SEC tournament so far. That does it for another edition of On the Line. we got the drive with Bill Cameron following us. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. You know where to find us.